Welcome to Everything Imaginable, the podcast for curious minds on KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochileo. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cochilillo. And before we get started, I'd like to thank all my listeners for listening. You know, I'd also like to thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producer Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, senior editor Amanda Steele, author of Ghosts of Me, binaural production engineer Damian Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, and monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of Is, author of is Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. And if you're interested in becoming a contributor to the show, just go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find a bunch of information there. And now, without any further ado, our guest for today is Andre Vitimus. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me again. So it's great to be back. Yeah. Um, you, you were an awesome guest last time. That's one of the reasons I really wanted you to back is because you're you're very down to earth with, with um, I mean, like when people hear, you know, somebody who's written a book on chaos magic, uh, their, their imagination is probably just run completely wild with, uh, like we were talking earlier, you know, people digging up dead bodies or, um, you know, doing stuff like that, doing evil magic. And it's not at all like that. Um, can you explain my, to my listeners, you know, what magic is and, what are some of the fears that that people? Why or why do people associate certain fears or project their negativity or fear onto it? So I mean, first, I mean, you know, some of those things aren't. The imagination is a lot worse than what you'd think. And I mean, like necromancy, you know, as a hugon, I work with the dead all the time. Right. So basically, that would be necromancy. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily need the body parts to do it. Um, I don't go dig that. But other traditions like Palo Monte, they do. You have to actually have the body parts. But I guarantee you, what people aren't thinking about is why is that so scary? Well, that's so scary because people are afraid they're going to die. And it reminds them they're going to die. I guarantee you that all these traditions that use graveyard dirt or body parts, um, if we're not in the U.S. at least, where they're practiced, they're done with the greatest amount of respect. Who? Uh, great mm-hmm. respect. I mean, it's not like you just go and dig up the thing and say, do my bidding and I will, I will, right? So all these dark black magics that people think are black, ultimately, they're really not. They reflect more on us. Like, they reflect more on what the value system of our culture is. And in particularly necromancy, I think, reflects a fear of the fact we're going to die. We are in love with youth. So the fact that people would actually seek out uh, necromantic currents, right, seek out the dead, reminding them that they're going to die, that's horrifying, right? And what do we do? Well, we leave the bodies in the ground and they used to decay. Um, in Haitian voodoo, uh, you you might use the skull, which I'm initiated to, the skull of some of your family to actually act as a bridge to the dead so you can talk with them. Again, 
that's much more respectful when you you're it's done in these traditions than people think there's a lot more reverence it and that's the thing we're in a culture that doesn't have a fundamental ancestor worship all the people who do necromancy or things like that they do it's fundamentally ancestor worship cultures so so when we talk bad we could talk about demons too that's another one that gets a real bad rap right dark magics but when you actually talk with demonologists actually get past the label that the society says what these people are they're some of the most honest people right they're just yeah they call demons but what people don't know about the history of demons per se it's a lot like necromancy those were all gods in other areas they were land spirits they were uh cities city god forms and then what happens is christianity comes in and it is the catholic church comes in and says these are now all the things that were in these local villages are demons they're evil they're bad that's political that's political just like the necromancy comment is political it, it says more about the values of the culture so when we talk about magic you know why are all these things so scary well they're scary from the point of view because there's a narrative that says they should be right now i want to say for the record so your listeners know i'm not a big fan of doing curses without reason i think that's that's silly you know uh it it shows that the person's not not really taking their spiritual magic seriously i guess you know it's mm -hmm. kind of like the angry per, uh, adolescent who goes out and punches whoever they can because they're stronger <laughs> you know but a serious martial artist would never do that right? right they would never go out and try to pick fights like that because the whole point is to kind of uh to treat it with the respect it's due right so mm -hmm. so i don't want people's when i'm saying this kind of stuff to say oh yeah go out and curse things uh or that it's about that but these things are all taboo because it reflects the undercurrents of a society that is afraid of death and afraid of darkness right which doesn't make sense when you actually look at even the religions you know um, that they spawn from so we're afraid of kind of things darkness because it's unknown right so necromancy is so alien it reflects this fear working with demons reflects a fear uh it's unknown it's scary it's taboo and in actuality i mean it's not boring but if people actually saw what goes on with that they would be like well this is a lot of work or this is boring or this is not nearly the kind of 1960s hollywood movie that you'd think it is <laughs> it's cool um one of the things um, in the Tibetan tradition, the, some of the monks would go out to, like, like the, when they disposed of their dead, they would just basically chop them up and throw them out there on a hill for the birds to eat. And the birds would, like, their idea of it was the birds would carry their pieces of flesh off, you know, to, into the sky. And one of the things that they would do is, like, um, it, in order to overcome the fear of death, one of the things they would do is, have a monk go out into the where all the body parts are and sit there and meditate overnight to help them over overcome 
the fear of death. Um, and that's one of the things like, you know, we don't need to be afraid of death and we don't need to be afraid of the darkness. It's, it, it is a part of who we are. And the harder we try to shove that stuff away and not look at it, the more negative impacts it has on people's personalities. Well, you think about it, um, when you suppress anything, what actually happens? It gets stronger Mm -hmm. because you're putting energy towards it. So a lot of times, like, people will be like, oh, suppress the dark impulses, you know, you know. But what's real courage? Courage isn't the lack of fear. If you suppress the fear, you're eventually going to break down and run away from whatever situation it is. Courage is to own the fear, to accept it, to move past it, to do what you're going to do despite being afraid. And that's a good metaphor for some of these darker paths or a little bit taboo paths. The whole aspect of that is what are we actually afraid of? And then why aren't we moving past it? Like, and we're talking about real spirituality um, versus kind of hobbled spirituality. So even if you do Kabbalah, these kind of dark elements, the fear elements, they're mm-hmm. there. They really are. When, I, when I've had these discussions, people like be like, oh, no, it's all angels. I'm like, you understand it, a real contact with an angel, not a Victorian angel, is this multi-eyed horror show of flame wheels. That's the way... In Judaism, it's actually described. It's it is as bad or worse than anything Lovecraft described. The actual description of an angel. I mean, now most people think that angels are these humanized kind of things, but in the actual tradition, it's described as alien. That contact with an alien would change you. And it's scary because it's so inhuman. That's even in just straight ceremonial magic, let alone when you're you're getting to the other traditions. And the thing is, is that what some of magic, a lot of magic that we we ignore it now, right? Now everything's commoditized. A lot is commoditized. And I like money. I love money, <laughs> right? Don't you love money? Yeah. Right? I, you know, I, I'd love to sell, you know, help people and sell, sell spiritual work. But I'm going to do it honestly, right? And the part of this is we want to con the echo chamber syndrome that we're in right now, right? So everything is, it's what I like. But the truth about real spirituality is that it pushes you into possibilities that you may never have considered, and it forces you to confront truths about yourself, your spirit, your personality, everything that you would probably want to ignore. That's just the process of spiritual growth. That's the great work of magic. Mm-hmm. I mean, that could be done with just psychological tools. It could be done digging up necromantic parts of graveyard, right? You know, it could be done something in the most foul things. But ultimately, what is the goal is to gain greater and greater self-autonomy from your upbringing, from your ancestral, like, I'd say curses, but that's the chain of what I mean by ancestral curses, it's like, you know, if your your great grandfather was al- alcoholic, your father becomes an alcoholic. What is the chances of you becoming an alcoholic? 
it's pretty good. That's like an ancestral <laughs> curse, right? Yeah. So part of the magic is to break those kind of fam family habits, that family things, mm -hmm. demons that haunt your family. We we could call them a demon because, you know, that's that's kind of what we would say. It's an ancestral curse right. or ancestral problem that you can kind of go through. But part of that is to become more than the limitations you were started with. Hmm. Right. If you can do that, you're probably successful at magic. And that's everyone has different limitations they start with, you know, whether it's physical limitations, mental limitations, whether it's situational limitations. And if you can become more than the, what those limitations would have resulted in, you've done great work. Hmm. That's a good analogy. You know, I've always thought of alcoholism and addiction in general as sort of a demon because you're almost acting out against your own will, you know, and it's not until you really confront it and deal with it face to face that you're able to overcome it and control it and manage it or or sometimes like like in my case, like I like it's funny you use this example, but I come from like a long line of alcoholics. And um and I just at, at a certain I think it was about 20, I was just like, okay, I'm done. I'm just not going to touch it anymore. I'm not even gonna take that genie out of the bottle. I'm just finished with it. Right. And the fact that you can make enough space from your situation, whatever was going on, and that you could make that conscious decision. Is that really what we want to be doing with magic? Like, there's a lot of stuff. We can, we can cause physical effects. We can make the weather change. We, we, we can do blessings on people, maybe even heal them. We can curse them. But when it all comes down to it is we're all trying to become more than the lot we were given. In a way, I think most magicians even if they're just Satanists, like pure Levian Satanist mm -hmm. materialism, it's just ritual theater. What are they really trying to do? Most of the magicians are using some sort of technique to fight whatever would be perceived as fate, not necessarily fight fate, but become more than the fate that you're allotted. Right? You have this tool. It lets you break. Not break, but it lets you get any imaginable things you can want. That you have to work for right so whether that tool manifests as purely psychological whether it manifests as crystal grid whether it manifests as you know playing with darkness at some point you're going to be forced to confront things you don't like about yourself to grow past that mm -hmm. at some point the real growth is at that point and a lot of these traditions are more aggressively honest about forcing you to confront things you don't like real early on. Like if you actually do a, a daemon summoning and you get past the whole Christian stuff, which is ridiculously funny, actually. I mean, we could talk about possession. <laughs> I mean, as a voodoo priest, we use possession as a tool so right. as opposed to the demons possessing people every instance of exorcism uh every instance of possession by a demon is coming from a hard hard believing christian um 
and a whole community that supports hard-believing Christian. I don't know if I said <laughs> that on this show last time or not, but so so it's like you have a whole you have a whole network of right. people. So those like they're almost belief. creating the possession themselves by putting all that belief well, into it. I wouldn't go that quite that far, but it's certainly a part of it. Yeah, like a big part of it, and they are somehow open to it, and at the same time. The fact that it happens is well supported. You'd think, I'm saying it's well supported, right? And everyone's like, well, you know, the Catholic Church does exorcisms and these people do exorcisms when it happens. But everyone, no one questions whether or not it's a mental illness, right? Once you get past certain level of facts. So now that you have the belief of the whole community supporting this sort of thing, I mean, and that's actually used in the proper way. That's how voodoo works too, yeah. but that's the proper way. So here we have a negative use case of it where it just happens and it's sort of this reaffirmation of, of the goodness of God, right? Which is the point of that politically. Mm -hmm. But then voodoo is used to better the whole community because everyone believes it's real, except the whole context is different and it sets things up differently. But even that makes us uh, confront some uncomfortable things about herself, right? What do people want to believe when they go into magic or anything really? Why isn't magic more popular? Well, people want to believe they're completely in control of their life. They want to believe that. You know, what is magic? The first thing you realize in magic, if you're being honest, is that you're not. Right. And you have to work hard to get that control over your own life. Hard. And you, I think you know what I mean by hard. It means mm -hmm. daily work. It means you're daily confronting yourself. You're daily confronting possibly other people about what their actions are. And to get more and more personal responsibility means there's never a day that you're at rest where you're letting these kind of habits or things go unanalyzed and asking, why am I doing that? Like, you know what, like I said, whether or not it's the most on the surface dark things or not, that's the real darkness is what's hidden inside of you. And, and a lot of traditions, I think, modern traditions, they want to sweep that under the rug, right? Once it's all positivity, like let's do, you know, the 30 days positivity thing, train for, um, God, no, I forgot the name of the New Age book. Laws of Attraction, mm -hmm. stuff like that, right? Except what happens? More often than not, when people do that, actually do that, it fall, breaks down. Because you not only have to do the positive thinking, but you have to own the negatives inside of you. That has to alchemize. Yeah. Yep. I, I totally agree. I had a guest recently, and his whole thing was gratitude. He's like, all you got to do is think, you know, be grateful, and everything will go your way. And, you know, I mean, and there are things in my life that I'm grateful for, but the things that I'm not grateful for, I think it's better, it's easier for me just to work to change them. Um, and I don't think they're going to change just because I'm grateful for some of the things that I have. So, I mean, the gratefulness idea is, comes down to some Buddhist ideas, mm -hmm. right? Except that not probably the conversation you had with the other 
Uh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily like the Buddhist idea of it. Like like a Buddhist right. idea of it is, you know, you're going to sit alone and you're going to watch your thoughts and you're going to confront your thoughts. And well, the get, gratefulness is is ultimately can be radically transformative, but not necessarily on the surface. Right? What are you grateful for? Well, in a way, when you get into hardcore Buddhism, everything's perfect as it is. Yeah. What are you grateful for? You're not necessarily grateful that the situation is hurting, is hurtful. You're grateful for the pain because it motivates you to actually move you forward. Mm -hmm. That's a wholly different conception of what you're grateful for, right? And if you apply a deeper Buddhist kind of uh, understanding, right? Buddhists, this is this is gets to what I'm talking about, sweeping it under the rug, right? Going to the surface. A Buddhist will meditate on the Buddhist hells and the emptiness and pain of those hells uh, continuously in some cases, in some Buddhist traditions. Why? Because when you get to the point that the emptiness no longer bothers you, you're okay with emptiness. You, you're okay with the void, right? Mm -hmm. It's like the gratitude thing. If you can express gratitude for the pain, it gives you an opportunity to detach from the pain. I'm not saying it gives you, it takes the pain away. Notice I'm not saying that. I'm saying it gives you an opportunity to detach from the pain enough to see it as the opportunity that it, it could be, right? Pain is just information. Now that's a radically different take than I bet the conversation you had, but it's also not one that I'm saying it'll be okay. I'm saying, well, when you've detached from that, because you're expressing gratitude. It's hard to be angry at something you're expressing gratitude for. Mm -hmm. And at the point you express that gratitude, the real switch is if you can actually pull it off and accept the pain, you can see it as a friend on the spirit on the spiritual growth. That's a radical change. It's not just accepting, it's not just expressing gratitude to express gratitude. It's expressing gratitude in such a profound way. And that, I think that's well beyond right. what most people think about. Like, because it basically forces you to accept the negative. Mm -hmm. It accept forces you to accept the stuff, maybe not the the sugar, right? Everything we get nowadays is sugar, 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 right? Whatever echo chamber you're in right now, that's it'll keep going. Whether it's a rage sugar whether it's a happiness sugar from Facebook, you know, or a rage filter from Facebook, right? Or you just search out positivity YouTubes, right? That's sugar. That kind of gratitude that I'm talking about actually forces you into a very different consciousness. Mm -hmm. And applied that way, yeah, gratitude could be enough to radically change your life. But I don't think that's what people are doing. All right. I know for me, gratitude doesn't come instantly. It comes usually in hindsight. Like, like for example, like when my parents died, it was really hard for me to, <laughs> to be grateful about that, you know. But but now, you know, three, four years later, I can look at it, back at it, I can be like, you know what, I'm grateful for everything that happened to me because all that stuff, I've learned so much. I I don't have to be afraid of any of these things anymore. You know, because I've you know I've lived through them and I'm okay, and I'm not even afraid of like that 
intense type of pain anymore because I've survived it. So that kind of thing gives me gratitude. But this idea that I can think myself into it, I'm not 100% sure about. So I'm not a fan of it, right? Just like I'm not a fan of the over-positivity culture. It can be very toxic in a lot of ways. You should be able to grieve, right? Are you going to be able to think yourself through it? Eventually, right? Mm -hmm. Meditate your way through it. Explore those feelings. Absolutely. You know what? All of the, some of these, this goes actually back to what we were initially talking about, right? Like necromancy, demonology, magic, this, this fear, right? I, I can almost tell people, I can see, tell magic when I see it, but that would be like a little, you know, <laughs> it would be a little presumptuous, but it's true because you could tell what's there. Right. Um, but why, why are these things popular? Right. They're popular because it's what people want to hear. But does that really mean that people are spiritually growing? They would say yes. I think even with what you're saying, you might question it. Now, 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 everyone knows I do a podcast, right? We, we just get a cult on there, right? We tried to have a couple of those people on there. And my Buddhist friend, Zach, tore them apart. Why? Not because he was being mean. Because all of these different things, you have the first pain. It's like, but that has to be acknowledged, right? It has to be worked through. It's alchemy to get to the point that we can. It's a spiritual process to go from I'm in pain to I'm grateful for that pain because it gave me an opportunity. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you talked about your parents dying. Well, my, my cousin died. It was more like an aunt to me. She was an older cousin, and she was my, one of my teachers. I, I, I'm a pretty hardcore magician. It took me over two years to process that, and I'm still processing it. You know, and, you know, you know, I think about it like, sure, right? I, I can call her up and talk to her, mm -hmm. but she's still dead, yeah. right? So maybe I'm just dealing with memories in my head, but I can't physically see her. You know, and I could be fooling myself too. Maybe, maybe I'm making it up in my head, right? Uh, it still hurts. It still hurts a lot, right? But I am more grateful, you know, for the teaching, for everything I got. It takes time to get through the pain. You know, like that's the thing. Like, there's no quick fixes in real spiritual growth. Anything that sounds like it's all sugar and it's it it's too easy is probably a cult or a scam. <laughs> because real spiritual work takes real work. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes confronting things you don't like. And I know that message might not get me a, a lot of sales, you know. But I can I can look in the mirror and say, you know, I'm doing the good work and telling people the good work. And the truth is. What you get out of that is far more valuable than anything you pick up from a quick feel-good scan, right? You you gain things that you never thought you would be able to gain. Right. You know, fortitude, mental acumen, you know, new ideas that you never would have gotten, you know, maybe even moments of real peace, yeah. you know, not the sugar rush. Um, 
Interesting. Can't say more than that. That's <laughs> you know, one, one of the things I like on the necromancy thing. My um, my wife's aunt passed away about a few months ago, and we had her ashes. And um, and my wife bought these lockets where you put the uh, ashes into them, and you can wear the locket, so you have that person with you all the time. And uh, she bought one for herself and one for her cousin. And we opened up the container and we're <laughs> trying to shove these ashes, these little lockets. And and and, and you know it it was weird, but but at the same time, it's kind of like oh, this, you know what? It's kind of cool too. In, in a way, like like it's almost like that's almost like a necromancy type of thing too. You you're, you're taking somebody's ashes, you're you're putting them in a container, and you're wearing them around your neck so you can have that person with you all the time. Absolutely. I mean, that goes back to the ancestor reverence, mm-hmm. right? That I'm saying like this is much more, much more of a much different basis for this than what people think. Yeah. And part of this is also when we necromancy is particularly problematic because of the way the Bible speaks about the dead. And so now we're coming from a Judeo Christian society that really dead and friendly that in some translations of the Bible, not all, basically outright forbids necromancy. Um, and that's that's the, that's the politics that we're in. That's actually in the Bible. So yeah, it's that's more difficult. But really, like, if you can contact the dead, you know, politically, what does that say if Jesus is the only way through? Right, but you still could talk to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it gets gets odd. It's it's like, I mean, one of the things is also we, when we talk about the politics of these magical systems versus magic. Right. So magic is is pretty clear what that is. Right, everyone has a different definition because we're talking about. You know, Alistair Coley will say, "Hey, it's you know you acting in line with will," but he doesn't mean do whatever you want either mm-hmm. that's a convoluted thing or it's the art and science of acting within will which is basically saying figuring out what is your core mission in life and then act in line with that that takes a whole lifetime to figure that out it's not like you just know that yeah. <laughs> like the whole point of uh many of the rituals of dilemma and now is to get to the point that you can know that mm-hmm. like and then act accordingly uh, but you do the best you can. Nobody wants to hear that. You do the best you can at the time with where you think you are. Because it's not a fast fix. No. Um, when you were talking about confronting some of the darkness and, and things like that, um, is that kind of what happens sometimes like when a magician is making their magical weapons absolutely if you're doing straight ceremonial magic or even some of the other traditions if you're actually making what is a magical weapon right well i primarily do chaos you know we talked about hands on chaos magic the last thing but that's like a whole meta belief you know so what happens when you're actually making if you actually make a magical tool, you're pouring your essence into that. You might break a couple if you're working with the medium. Mm-hmm. You know, if you spend 
Oh, two weeks on a medallion, and then you break it. What What do you think is going to happen to you? You're going to face your inner darkness. Really, you're going to be pissed off, yeah. right? It's not just pissed off. You're going to have this fear, despair. You can't do anything right. You're going to confront all those elements there. And actually, classic ceremonial magic, although it's not usually talked about, it's more explicit in Barden and more explicit in alchemy. That is part of the process. The physical break is you actually dealing with internal issues. Like whatever happens to the physical talismans, like the process, the process of making it, even if it has to restart a couple of times, is part of the process of the alchemy. Mm -hmm. It's just people want to ignore that. When something bad happens, they go, oh, well, this is, this doesn't reflect anything. But if you're sitting down and actually in the right mindset and doing a spiritual construction project, it absolutely does reflect something spiritual. That's the point. It's telling you that these issues are there. And you have to work through them. That's part of the process of making any magical weapon or talisman. You're working through the process. Right. You're working through whatever's holding back from that talisman from working right. Mm -hmm. In the process of physical art or construction or you know, physical design work or, you know, the physical mantra of sanding, you know. Hmm. Yeah, I've always um, considered like, like, you know, like, for example, like, say, uh, I need to make a cup, like a, a chalice or something, you know, rather than going out and buy, uh, you know, me personally, I would probably try to make it out of I don't know, whatever is available to be clay or, or whatever. Um, that that process to me would be symbolic of managing my emotions, the ones that are sort of unruly. Or the same thing with a wand. If I'm making a wand, I'm trying to manage, you know, some of that out of control creativity. Um, or a pinnacle would be, you know, that material desire that we all hang on to way too much. Um, so, so when I look at the, the tools, I kind of look at them as all these different aspects of that were things that we're trying to overcome, and that's why we call them weapons. Yeah, I mean in Peruvian shamanism, they don't really call these weapons, right? The process is there, and, and it's very interesting because it's more open and honest about what's actually going on, right? So you make these things called Kuya stones. Mm -hmm. And the first thing you do with the Kuya stone is you go to a direction. And it's each direction has different aspects of your life that, you know, you're working with. But you know what you put in the stone when you start? The worst parts of that, of your life. The worst parts of your life go into the stone. The worst parts of your issues with that direction. And then you call forward the spirit of the direction. And we have the process of working with that spirit, sometimes over months, with this stone, and working through the, giving it, feeding it like llama butter, because uh, that's what they do, it's Peru, right? Mm -hmm. It's llama butter. You eventually alchemize that part of yourself from being an inner demon, an inner angel hmm. and then it's an ally 
But now it's an ally fashioned out of the worst things, taking the mold of the spiritual force that you are working with. And it's like a, you know, animal. They use animal totems. Mm -hmm. um, and that animal is your spiritual ally. Is it the directional animal? Yes. Is it not the directional animal? Yes, it's both. Because it's reclaimed as, and transformed from the most base materials of that direction into your to this exalted animal spirit that's part of the bigger animal spirit, but also part of you. Mm. And I think that gets to the heart of what we're talking about. Yeah. Even the gratitude conversation sounds more like this mm -hmm. than it does, you know, just do it and it'll, it'll all be okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's always been one of my issues with, like, the secret and all that kind of stuff. Like. There's, there's just work behind it. There's confrontation that you have to deal with. There's darkness that we have to look at. And one of the things that you just said, and I think is really, really important, is make not, not so much killing or trying to conquer these negative forces, but making them allies, learning how to adjust change or change the relationship with those aspects you know like like if i change my relationship with anger then i can just use that energy for something else rather than trying to overcome it or try to make it bend to my will i, I if i make it an ally then it's going to work for me or instead of against me well let's let's talk about anger right when is anger actually a big issue well i don't get what i want what? But it's not just when you don't get what you want, mm -hmm. right? It's when you don't get what you want and you're not working towards it, right? So it's anger that isn't controlled. Yeah. Do you know what? When you have the mighty righteous fire that you're 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 going to succeed no matter what, that's anger focused into action, controlled action. Mm -hmm. That in uh, when we talk about voodoo, that's 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 the goon. That's a goon striking the metal of the sword to make something new. That's making a new tool. That's focused anger, right? It's the fire is still there. Instead of saying, oh, well, you can never be angry. You're right. I've heard that. That's, does that make sense? There's a lot to be angry about. But if you just let it go like a wildfire, what happens is it's a wildfire. It burns all aspects. Mm -hmm. If you deny it, what happens is like, I've seen people who have no anger. I'm sure you have too. Yeah, it's weird. Do they really achieve much? Right. They don't achieve much. Because the anger, when it's properly channeled and properly used, and as a friend, as we're talking about, put into the proper context, becomes motivation. Mm -hmm. Right? So if you're angry about some of the situations in your life, and you can get to this... I mean, we could go back to the gratitude. You, grat you have gratitude over that anger, you know, or you, you're working through the clue yourself yeah. process of that anger. It becomes a tool, right? It becomes a fire because it becomes a motivational energy to actually go through and make the necessary changes you want to make and make them happen. Mm -hmm. The drive, the passion, right? The anger uncontrolled, yes. Yes, it's, it can be, that's, that's, 
going to cause problems. Uh, <laughs> but that's not what we're talking about anymore. Yeah. It, it's just uh, that, but befriending it makes it more useful. And, and even, you know, and that's something that, that like, like fear and anger is heavily fed. People are fed that constantly now, you know, and, and they don't know because they don't have the, I don't know, the, the insight to how to use them. It just runs rampant and becomes destructive. Well, I think the, the problem, a big problem right now is, isn't just that they don't have the insight. Uh-huh. Is that there's too much, give me money and feel good. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, like, if you give me money for coaching, we're going to confront this stuff. Okay, if you're angry, I'm going to assume you're angry for a reason. And once we get to the reason, it's justified. And from a spiritual sense, then how do we actually parlay that anger? What are you actually angry about? Like, if you are demonizing the anger, you can't ask these questions. Like, this goes back to the dark. Black magics too, the same thing. It's very similar. Like we can't ask these questions. What are you actually angry about? Why are you actually angry? So there's the surface answer. I'm angry because I didn't get what I want. Mm-hmm. That's never really what people are angry about, right? When something doesn't go their way. Right? You keep asking hard Socratic questions of yourself in meditation. You know, not this is actually like what early Christians would do, like Thomas Aquinas. Uh, and what do you come to why you're actually angry? It'll be more fundamental usually, especially the greater anger. You know, what are you really angry about? You're really angry that usually comes down to whatever is going on right now has no meaning. Mm-hmm. You have to get through all these surface anger points of I couldn't get what I want. I couldn't get this to get to the point of what I'm working on is a waste. It doesn't give me what I want and what I actually want. And then you figure that out. And it's usually not going to be something like maybe at some points, if you're struggling, it'll at first be like, okay, well, I really want more money. But really what you really want is to be able to survive. Yeah. Right. And, and thrive, you know, and not have to worry about money anymore. Right. So that, that these getting to these deeper values it, and what is producing the anger is critical. This is like, this is that step of it anal, analyzing and kind of not sweeping that under the rug, mm-hmm. not denying why you're angry or hurt or why you, you have, why you're afraid. It's the same thing with all the negative emotions, right? Now, I'll go back to this in a second and expand on this. A lot of those traditions that people have the most issues with, especially in certain communities like the New Age community, are the ones that are openly adversarial. And by openly adversarial, I mean, even if you summon a demon, that demon isn't going to just do what you want. It's going to confront your weaknesses. It's going to tell you why you're failing in no uncertain terms. That's horrifying. That's openly adversarial. Now, if you get past what it's saying and and say, okay, I'm hearing what you're saying. Will you still do what I want if I work on that? 
you'll usually get a yes, <laughs> right? <laughs> but before you, it gets to the point that it's okay with that. Uh, there's a lot to work through, and and that's the same thing with anger, with with fear, um, with all these negative emotions. It's like, well, what's really going on? Like, you can't magic your way out of that. Those emotions, if you don't know why, they're there. And I, now, for myself, I think a lot of people who listen to me for a while, you know. You know, I'm well aware about an alcohol father, right? You know, just like you were describing, mm -hmm. I had one too. We just beat me up a lot. It takes a lot to know, you know, why do I have sometimes these really dark impulses? Despair, right? Depression. Well, you know, the more I look, the more it's, if you're a little kid and get beat up, are you ever going to feel safe in the world? No. Right. So that's something mm -hmm. that's so early on that you have to struggle with. Right. And then keep trying to alchemize it one piece at a time as you can unravel them. But to do that, you have to own it. Right. You have to say stuff like we're talking about, like, you know what? I'm grateful that I got beat as a kid because it made me a much more powerful magician today. And that's absolutely the truth. Yeah. Right. If I didn't have to struggle with that, would I be able to heal it in anyone else? No. No way. Would I be able to like have the fortitude where I basically go through life and say, the world's not going to roll me? No. Right? Like, as in whatever negative situation is, it's not going to roll me. I I'm going to I'm going to come on ahead. Only through confronting that really dark truth was I able to get to the point that I could say that. That I I'm not going to let I'm not going to be destroyed by this situation mm -hmm. um do you find that a lot of people give up their i don't know their their right to be magical beings to uh victimization i think there's two things that go on with this right so let's all everyone listening you're doing magic you're doing Reiki. I love Reiki, by the way. You know, you're doing Buddhism, you're doing Taoism, whatever it is. Real spiritual growth is the hero's journey. It's the hero's journey. It isn't the average person's journey. Everyone could do it, but they don't. Right? That's the point. That's that's yeah. understand the process makes you even attempting and failing and getting back on the horse is heroic in the class sense of heroic you are struggling against yourself against the world in some cases against a situation that maybe doesn't want you to succeed right because what is what is everything geared towards in what we live in every day-to-day -day life it's geared to being asleep to getting up at 9 a.m going through your work day not questioning anything so when you start questioning yourself and your own thoughts, you're already way outside of what our whole society is geared to do and geared towards. And there's reasons for that. We can have a whole conspiracy show. It's not conspiracy, <laughs> a commercialization and what, how the money drives marketing and yeah. your behaviors. That's more psychology and sociology and conspiracy. But it's there. It doesn't take much to see it. 
once you start going past that, you're not only fighting that, but you're fighting all these ancestral issues, like we're describing alcoholism. Mm -hmm. You're describing all possibly the bad parenting, you know, these bad situations or good situations that could be bad. Like you could be wealthy as anything. You're going to have some of the same problems with deriving spiritual meaning as someone who's poor. For not the same reasons, mm-hmm. but for the opposite reasons. What matters when you're rich, right? Coming from a poor alcoholic father, right? It's easy to say, hey, you're deriving spiritual meaning from the conflict. You're deriving uh, fortitude and this from this process. But if someone has all, everything is going well. And then they hit a bump in the road where it's a fortitude, right? Again, they could have issues on the opposite side of the fact mm-hmm. because it's too easy, right? Uh, too hard or too easy, both, right? So it's not like I'm saying anyone is different. But even they have so many things going on that distract them from any sort of acquisition of self-analysis or you know, self-knowledge that... That is really what is going on. These things, that's why it's heroic to try to do this. It's truly heroic. Everyone should be, I don't I don't mean congratulate yourself, but it is kind of like this is outside of the norm when you try to do this. It's it's everything in our society and many societies try to lull you into sleep. Mm-hmm. Into here's this, here's that, here's that, here's that, here's that. Interesting. You know, one of the things, <clears throat> like, 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 for example, wealth, you know, insecurity, you know, most people look at it as if I have enough money to, you know, have everything I need, I'm going to be okay. But there's another side of that coin, too, which I've experienced myself, which was being able to live without absolutely anything. You know, I mean, I went through a time when I was young where I was basically a homeless sort of drifter and and I was fine. I learned how to live without anything. So sometimes I wonder, like, what makes me more secure? Having stuff or not having stuff? Great question. Yeah, it, it's just weird. I, I think it's just that people get so hung up on having they forget that maybe sometimes less is better. I mean, and that's part of the process of actually getting to what you actually value, right? That That's truly against kind of the modern idea, which mm-hmm. when we think about it, the modern take on that is more is better, right? In a nutshell, that's... Basically, that's true. <laughs> that that's the general vibe of what at least Western American culture. Yeah, maybe it's not quite so true in Europe if you have European listeners. But I think that's a a pretty good assessment, right? The it's not the divine right of kings. It's whoever has the most money is the most valuable. Deconditioning that belief right off the start is a lot of work. Right, to start, because that'll be reinforced every step of the way. So we get to that understanding that you have worth outside of the financial system. Is exactly what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. That's hard. And that's hard. That, that takes 
enormous amounts of work. It, it, I, and you're describing it, right? It, it's not not necessarily going to be a walk in the park with that one. <laughs> yeah, and I, that's actually one of the most empowering things you can do. Yeah, I think so. Once you realize that you are not your worth is not defined by your net worth. And if you want to talk about all the hellscapes that you have to go through to get to that point, you have to go through deconditioning and asking a whole bunch of questions about how you're interacting with other people, deconditioning, all the media representations and analyzing them, mm -hmm. thinking about them, kind of transforming them. And it's okay to actually want to have money. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that poverty is the ideal state and we should all go to it. But what I am saying, is you have to understand why that you want it. That's a much tougher question, right? So do we need all the things that we need? Well, maybe, maybe not. But if you're asking, why do I have the things that I do? And that's why do I want this lifestyle? And you're okay with it. Consciously okay with it. Like you've accepted it. You mm -hmm. understand where it's coming from. That's okay. But getting there is really hard. Not that's even if you want to have lots of money or you don't, that's how you get to the point that you can accept it. Absolutely. It, it doesn't, it's just, it, it doesn't really matter. Just, I, I just believe that. We are conditioned to only look at one side of things and not both. Um, and I think one of the reasons that even magic, for example, has been suppressed by religions is because people, they don't want people to question and ask and be able to make the things that they need themselves. They want right. reliance. So we are getting back into politics here because religion is ultimately political. It is always political. And people will say, no, 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 no. It's not political. It's, it's about connecting with God. Yeah, but why do you need the priest to contact God? Because of politics, because it's a social control mechanism. Mm -hmm. Whose spirituality isn't necessarily political. Because magic is about you and your interaction with the universe. And sure, people can te teach you the tools, the techniques, how to do things. They can teach you all kinds of different fun rituals. But ultimately, it's you standing before the universe and trembling with what comes out. And that's it. There's nobody else. Even if it's a group ritual, it's still you. And whatever happens inside your mind and outside your mind and the experience that directly you have. And ultimately, that is powerful, but it doesn't give social cohesion. And why would it? Mm. And classical shamanic indigenous uh, cultures, you know, where the shaman used to be, isn't in the village. <laughs> because the shaman and people who are more like magicians and shamans, they, they were on the outside of the village and you just bring food to them when you need something. Why? 
Because the indigenous people, instead of wiping out that kind of dangerous difference, they would put that into the proper box that they could bring, have it part of society, but not necessarily destroy the fabric of society. You know, other religions say, well, this is the only way through and destroy that so in to get greater social cohesion right to get greater social cohesion on values and all these things and we can kind of see there's a point to that we might not like that point but we will look at what's happening right now where the social cohesion is breaking down in a lot of societies you know maybe it wasn't better when these kind of religious constructs were uh, controlling all of us but certainly where we're at now we have to come up with a different way to get along right because the social cohesion the underlying value systems aren't holding us together so what do we have to do mm -hmm. to make that happen like how do we get from a now where anything everyone is doing very different things to the point that we have some underlying social cohesion that's a really hard question. Hmm. Interesting. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that question either. I have no idea of, um, you know, how how to rectify that one. Um, do you think? Um, like in, in your experience as a magician and an author and a podcaster and a coach, how many, like, what is it that people come to you, like, what expectations do people come to you with? And um, are they ever surprised at what you tell them? I think a lot of times people are surprised by what they tell them. I don't work to, I don't advertise I mean I gotta rework my web page and everything so it's a little better. But I'm a pretty adept psychic. So first, I don't give the answers like everything will work out. That's not how I do things. The answers are very flat. Like mm -hmm. if you change nothing, this is gonna be the outcome. And sometimes I'll get information that's outright scary. You know, like the last reading, I was like, well, this person, and I gave them a name. I said, they're, che they're cheating with your husband. Just popped in my head, and they're like, uh, about that? <laughs> I didn't, they didn't tell me the name of somebody at their husband's work. And I said, this is all happening. This is why. And when I say that, it's kind of like they didn't expect it, you know, or I give information I wouldn't expect. And then it comes to, what are we going to do about that? Now, like with this woman who's cheating, what's the first thing you think they want They want to ask for then? Mm, I don't know. Curse the woman? Exactly. <laughs> Get him back in my life. Bring him back in. Curse her. And I'm like, let's, let's look at you. Like, why did this come about, right? You know, so if a person can do that, we'll go through everything we talked about today. We'll be like, okay, so I got some information. 
that clearly you didn't tell me. But let's look at you first, right? Like, why why did this happen? What's up with him, really? What's up with the guy, really, in your relationship? Not the surface. Yeah, he's cheating on you. Let's curse the woman to get back her. Because it's more complicated than that. Right? Let's get you to the place that you know you deserve someone better. Mm -hmm. right? That's a much more meaningful transformation than curse the other person and then like get a, get 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 him back. Where would you want him back? Right? Or why would you want her back if if it's a if it's a guy? Right. Or you know, even if it's a woman, why would you want her back? Or if it's a guy, why would you want him back? Whoever you're into, it doesn't matter. Why would you want him back at that point? The fact that you want him back after they hurt you, that says something. They can sweep that under the rug, or you have to ask a whole lot more questions. Hmm. And I think that surprises a lot of people. You know, that's one where I'm like, even when we do job work, which I consider myself very good at getting people work, the first question becomes like, starts getting to what they don't expect. Like, why you offer the cars, right? They're struggling with the job search. I'm looking at it. I'll say you hate your job. They're like, I didn't tell you that. I'm like, no, but you do. <laughs> like, why are you keep going down this road? Well, it's the only thing I can do. I said, okay. You keep asking a lot more questions so you get to the point of maybe there's a solution outside of what you expect. But it usually takes a while to get there. Because people can't accept what they can't understand. So you're trying to get them to see and feel and understand kind of, here's this other road to part of the thing. When you finally get there, they're like, yes, yes, this is what the spirits are saying. It's often maybe not a totally different career in that case, but maybe it's a different industry. Mm -hmm. You know, something like that. Maybe it's connecting, connecting with a, a friend in a certain way. You know that they hadn't talked to in a while you think well why is forgiving a friend have anything to do with the job search why indeed <laughs> and then you find out later right like this person knew somebody that knew somebody that led to the job right right so it's usually unexpected because you have to you know start asking harder questions and i'll start uh doing the kinds of things we talked about See, what most people want when they come to you for magic is what they think they want. But if that was what they needed, they wouldn't have to come to you. Right. And that's true for for magicians, too, right? If you, uh, you do magic for yourself, if you really, really, really were absolutely right about what you wanted, it would probably always be there, already be there. Right, so you have to ask what is actually needed right now. But if you've done a lot of self-analysis, then you can kind of know kind of maybe what you need want is right, mm -hmm. but not beforehand. Now, uh, recently, I, we were talking before the show, right? And like I said, I got a different job. And that job is complicated. What was I going for? Well, I did some magic to get work. 
voodoo magic with spirit of goo. And I was going for a job that mostly was management. That's not what I got. Hmm. He didn't meet all my financial requirements, even my expectations hmm. for the job that I got. I mean, a, a big bonus. Uh, everything that I actually could pro- probably want, right? Right. Totally remote, a big, big change, but it's not a management position. And if I wasn't okay with that, I would have mucked that up. I would have said, no, uh-huh. this isn't what I want, right? But I had to really sit down and meditate about that. Well, why? And this, this company, they gave me a job off of the day I interviewed. And it's a teaching position. Mm-hmm. I literally teach occult classes. And I literally teach uh, <laughs> all the time, right? So it's it's not a management position. That's what I thought I wanted. Mm-hmm. But when the real thing I wanted presented itself, I had to admit, I could have got angry about it, but I had to ask other questions why I was, why I was so geared towards that, you know? That's a good example, right? I could have messed that up by saying no. Yeah. Hmm. Do you have teaching occult classes on your resume? Uh, You know, I usually spin it by saying I teach meditation classes, and that's been accepted enough now. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a lie either. I do, in fact, teach meditation classes. Yeah, uh, classes, uh, but that seems to be enough. <laughs> but right now, I live in Canada, so Canada is uh, definitely a more secular society mm-hmm. than uh, the Midwest. I I, mean, I used to live in Ohio, and that was those would be dicey conversations. I know people will say, "Well, you you just aren't living your true life there." But go to the Midwest for a little while if you're in California. You realize it's very, very different culture uh-huh. uh, than what you're thinking. Uh, you have to be a little bit careful with that. Um, you know. Oh yeah, I I, I definitely know. <laughs> you definitely <laughs> like, know. Like, like when people ask me, like, like you know, they're like, "Oh, you have a podcast? What is it about?" And I'm like, "Well, you know, I cover everything from from aliens and UFOs and conspiracies and Bigfoot, the occult." <laughs> You know, and then people are like, huh. <laughs> and I live in Alabama. So, so, so okay, a lot of times. So it's very similar to the Midwest. So, the, so they go right. running sometimes. <laughs> right, exactly. Because, I mean, I don't know uh, how many times when I was in Columbus, Ohio, I'd get little Jesus pamphlets under my keyboard where a coworker was trying to help me out. Uh, because they found out that uh, I was into some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Somebody, Somebody left Hollywood around my front door not that long ago. <laughs> there you go. So you, you, was, you know, you know, was, you know, uh, exactly. Uh, but in in Toronto, I feel like it's it's a little different, and uh, it's really actually been a real shift in your consciousness when you realize. What you, Mostly people don't care mm-hmm. here. It's not like I'm going to get a little pamphlet under my door that says you're going to hell. 
they don't care it's not like that it's much much more secular yeah um uh, and that's okay you know because like uh you know that's okay just yeah. different that's cool yeah like, like it was definitely probably a little bit more acceptable like i used to live in new jersey up north and it was definitely more you know more of a social scene up there but here it's yeah yeah there's much more in new jersey a big social scene yeah yeah here i'm a lone wolf that that's that's awesome that you know what you've been doing you know with the occult and with meditation and spirituality has now manifested itself into your regular career life of of teaching because as a teacher you know you're you're also still helping people overcome obstacles right and i think people don't understand uh many people don't know i have a master's degree in computer science master's degree in business so i'm teaching data science it's very very hot field but yeah it's through the teaching of the occult stuff that i gained the skills and then that's how the it manifested mm -hmm. right so that isn't where I thought it would go with this job search. <laughs> and that's often how the magic works out. You get what you get, not in a bad way. Like the intention didn't have the blocks that most people would use on there. Like it wasn't so narrow that I was like, oh, it's this job or bust. Mm -hmm. you no, know, it was a job. It had certain monetary levels that I wanted to achieve. It had certain conditions that I wanted to achieve, and all those were met. And some of those are hard, like, well, not so much hard now because of COVID. Like, having a remote position only is becoming more common. Yeah. But even that is a matter of timing. I'm, I'm asking for a job that's fully remote when everyone's thinking about being fully remote, right? So it's not like I'm working against the general headwinds of of society mm -hmm. any company that's ahead of the curve is going to offer that now because yeah. they have to <laughs> yeah i mean it saves them rent money exactly I mean, why pay for an office building when you don't need one exactly that happened with that's me exactly uh, when i worked at, i worked in a call center for a while and it was eventually they were just wanted everybody to go remote get rid of the building I don't know though I would get lonely working at remote <clears throat> at home well I don't work at home I work at the center of building mm -hmm. and the store so oh, okay I'm not usually working there totally alone by myself I'm you know <clears throat> Not that people are there all the time, but you know, my business partner sometimes there. You know, sometimes my wife stops by. It's not. It's just like just like going to the office. Yeah. But it gives me the opportunity to actually work in the way I want to work, mm -hmm. like in the center that I want to build, and and that's beautiful. That is. It is awesome. And. and and it took work, you know. It's, it's interesting how, like, even with my position, like, I normally I'm the opposite. Like normally, I would never consider a management position. And um, but but I was offered one, and, and we were talking before 
on our last episode about being ready to take on certain roles. Like you don't want to take on a role until you're ready to do it. And one of the things that I think that got me ready for this role, though, is doing everything that I'm doing here with the podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the being able to communicate an idea, the idea to be able to manage time, the idea of um, how just just work ethic of getting things done. Exactly, yeah. So, so I've achieved a skill from a place that I didn't quite expect to ever achieve it. And then there you are, right? That's yeah. the thing. Like, you know, because that's just, this is kind of like the whole, um, this is part of the whole magic process. Mm-hmm. Like, you could get stuck up on the mechanism and that doesn't manifest, which is the other problem I have with the secret. Right, they got part of it right where you're just supposed to do it and then let it go. Then I forget, like also, like people get hung up on the exact method, and it never goes the way you think with magic. It never comes the mechanism. If you try to predict the exact mechanism, you're usually going to be wrong. And if you attach to the mechanism, exact mechanism, you're usually going to not get the result that you want. Mm-hmm. Every time there's a big, big change. Every time you do magic, it's, it's usually going to come through a mechanism that you wouldn't expect. It's not always that way, but a lot of the times it does. Yeah. Or it's a combination of things that is just fortuitous. That I think, mm, I think you know what I'm saying. About I, that. I know exactly what you're saying. Like, like for me, things are just never really kind of. The best things in my my life that have happened, or, or things that I've achieved, or or you know manifested through through magic, all came from places that I would have never guessed from to come from. Exactly, yeah. You know, I, I only thing I would say like, add to that though is maybe it does require a little bit um, of awareness or alertness, like looking for it. Well, you got to go out and apply for jobs still, mm-hmm. right? And that's the case. You, you can't do mad. That's that's another big issue with magic, right? Um, lots of people do lots of stuff. And when it's just wishful thinking, you got your crystals and you're like, well, maybe it happens, it doesn't. Maybe it happens or it doesn't. This is not fundamentally how the magician ha- goes through. If you listen to the whole show we're talking about, we're asking, well, okay, why didn't it happen? That gets to be a little bit harder questions. And if you start asking that, yeah, you still got to go out, apply for jobs. You still got to go out. If you want to find a new special friend, mm-hmm. you still got to go out of your house and socialize. And that could mean a whole bunch of uncomfortable kind of experiences where you're actually trying trying to actually figure out to get better at social social interactions. All that is work that you're probably going to have to do, right? Right. And it it's easier to blame, you know, 
it's easier to say, well, it just wasn't meant to be. It's a lot harder to say, I have a skill deficiency on these points, and I'm going to work through it. I'm going to get better at this these couple of skill deficiencies I have. That that will take a lot. That takes a lot more work. It sure does. So magic takes work. Oh man. Um, so I'm going to get ready to wrap this up. Before we do, though, where can my listeners find you? So you can find me uh, at andreavitimus.com, which I'm reworking that site, but the contact still works and the shopping cart, everything still works. But also, if you're in Toronto, go to wujizuhan.ca, uh, and um, that's our acupuncture and Chinese medicine center but we're also opening a spiritual store in toronto and we're also going to have um like talismanic stuff that we make um that we'll ship anywhere in the world um we have a couple right now coin in baths so if people are interested in that that's that's the you know a goddess of compassion and Mm -hmm. and self-love and kind of forgiveness and grace um beautiful goddess actually to work with and so we have a couple baths made already for on her point that are magically and spiritually imbued so all those things you know wujizen.ca andrea vitamus my page will get better if you want to hear us talk about stuff i run my own podcast which is deeper down the rabbit hole um and you can kind of just look that up Mm mm-hmm all right. Well, I will definitely post links to all that in the notes to this episode. Um, so, so actually, how are things in Toronto though with the business? Like, like how is like the walking traffic now? Well, there is no walking traffic. No, Toronto locked down. Still, yes, Toronto's actually locked down versus the uh, lockdowns in the states. Um, in a way, that's a blessing too, because we're not fully ready to open wholesaling the merchandise and stuff like that. So, I mean, we, I could get angry about that. I could get angry about that or accept it and understand this is a blessing in disguise because we're not ready. We'd open too early before we had all the merchandise we want to have. That's probably not going to be helpful. You know, we'll probably open up. And, and this gets to what we we're talking about too, right? I could get angry about, I could get upset about the fact, the reality of the ground. Yeah. That we're in lockdown. Or I could look at it and say, well, we're keeping the doors open. We have to figure out a whole bunch of marketing stuff anyway. And this is giving us a little bit of breathing room to actually go through and figure out what's our marketing strategy, all the kinds of stuff that has to go on with the store, which we'd have to do. But if we weren't given the pause, would that get done? Or would we just try to, you know, balls to the wallet, right? Right. And just go out there, you know, uh, and do what you can do. But there's never, never, you know, when you're, I'm working and there's not going to be enough time to be able to do that, right? So you're going to have stuff and you're going to have half products. 
uh, you're not going to have enough for me to even do the own rituals that I want to do. So, you know, people will complain. And in a way, this gives us a chance to, to think about it. Like, okay, what we know what we're about, but how do we tell that story? How do we work that out? And a lot of the story we're telling is, you know, what is magic about? Well, for us, it's not about all the trinkets about this transformational journey where you're using these tools um, and you're, what should we be doing? Well, as a store, the best thing we can do for people is give them experiences that they otherwise can't have, which will allow them to actually do their own work. Hmm. And I don't think if we didn't have the hardship of being in lockdown, that we would have come to that conclusion. So, so you think you may have the lockdown has helped you not rush into it, but do better planning. I think so, and I, <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm getting at. That I think you can kind of this gets back to the anger, the negative emotions, you know you can kind of hate the situation or you can accept it as perfect, right? And then it's not just looking for the bright side of things. It's a lot of work when we do that, right? Well, we are accepting the fact that this is reality. This is what's there. And what do we gain from that fact? Those facts. When we really look at what's our emotional reaction to that, everyone wants to make money right away. That's, that's what you want. Right? right, you got a store. You want cash, <laughs> isn't that the goal? Right, like I got a store. I want cash, and when it doesn't come, and you're like, oh, right. There's all these negative emotions, but instead, you can look at it and say, okay, well, thank you for that. You know, thank you for the reality. Of what's going on? And what's what is the goals that we can get from that? What what does this do we gain from this? Mm -hmm. situation the reality of the situation and i think what we're gaining is what i'm saying is this idea of we have a clear vision a clear story we even have a clear idea we are a radically different store i think than what's going to be other people are used to we're we're even calling ourselves an experiential membership store that's not the same as you just walk in and get a sage right it's like we're providing a membership partially that allows you to come in virtually, which we've spent months working on how to get virtual techniques of ritual energy transfer working and verified and reproducible that when people come to virtual rituals, they have a spiritual impact. And I think that's the stuff that maybe would have went the way of the wild the it would never have happened if we hadn't thought about this differently if we hadn't accepted the reality of the situation as it is not presented not imposed our attachment to what we we thought it should be mm -hmm. that's, that's powerful man that, that you've been able to use the situation to really transform it into something even better and not, you know, just say, uh, this sucks, I give up. 
Exactly. And, and this is a example of real life, right? This is we're running a small business or a store is not easy. So this is an example in real life of all the stuff we're talking about, embracing kind of the negative aspects is, is not truth, but is not pushing them away and then asking, well, what actually do we get out of this? What, what What's the positive opportunities that are there? How should we think about things different? Mm-hmm. Not versus what we wanted to believe was there, you know, not getting accepted because it didn't turn out, it's not turning out in exactly the same way, but what is actually, what is actually where we're at and where can we go from here? And I think when this is all done, it'll be a lot better, right? These are all things that were under the surface, but we brought it to the surface. We could talk about it, you know, this kind of experiential learning model and magic. That's, people don't do that anymore. Everyone just sells trinkets. That's not what we're selling. I mean, we sell stuff. We're going to sell stuff, obviously, uh-huh. but everything we do, we're going to demo for people. We're going to show you this is how you use it for actual magic operations. And the thing is, early on, because of being in that situation where we're not having to necessarily just respond to the, you know, this is what people want, the baubles, we're able to set a clear vision. Like, And everything we have, we can actually, we know how to use we're not carrying anything that either me or Zach, he's my business partner, we know how to use it in a spiritual sense. We, we could show you how to use it. And I think that might have been the temptation. It would have been really strong. Go to market as soon as possible, not have a clear vision. Hmm. And if you not have a clear idea and then, you know, you have all this stuff and then you're trying to market it, but you don't believe in it. And keep, this is the actual thing that goes on. And then what happens when you don't really believe in it? Well, does the magic work to make prosperity work? Hell no. Right Now you're fighting yourself. You're like, what am I doing? I can't even look at myself in the mirror about this. So I I view that as as a gift, right? To to stay true to ourselves. And um, and that's that. I mean, but the flow of traffic will come. And it'll be there. But it just gave us a little more time to work these things kind of things out. That's that's awesome. I mean, man, that's a perfect way to just sum up everything that we've been talking about for the last hour and a half and how it works. Right. Like if I didn't do if we <clears throat> if you came to the conclusion like, oh, well, we're in lockdown, we're screwed, nothing's gonna work, that is the outcome you will get. Mm-hmm. You believe it enough, you have high negative emotion. That's enough to manifest that. You know, if you're confronting both the reality of the pain of, okay, you're in lockdown, this is what's going on. Uh, and I'm saying, well, what does lockdown actually get us? That's a little bit different. It doesn't quite sound like all just positive thinking either, because it's not. Like, there's a hard choices that you have to make. When that's going on, it's not a normal situation. Um, hmm. There you go. Do you guys have like an ETA when the lockdown is going to end? That largely depends on how stupid people are. 
Um, unfortunately, I'd like to say I have an ETA. They're probably going to try to add that on May 20th, and we'll be a lot further along, and, and then basically being a bit with traffic. Um, but we're on the fourth floor anyway, so I, I would, we would expect people to come from the internet. Mm -hmm. um, but we have some pretty cool signage. But it really depends on, on other people. I have no control over whether or not people are wearing masks and social distancing. Yeah. I don't. But I can accept that they probably won't. And then what do we take from there? Well, I can get mad about it or I can accept that they probably won't. Mm -hmm. and, and work to build a kick-ass uh, kick online store, you know, and then building a whole bunch of, of cool information wiki stuff that people want to actually know so all opportunities to kind of build something different and yeah. along those lines that's cool well i can't wait man until everything's opened can't wait to check out your website when it's up and uh it's a it's a great concept you know where people can actually you know not just buy you know a magical tool but actually be able to learn how to use it as an awesome uh way like i've never heard of anything like that before i think that i think that might be a first i hope, I hope so i mean yeah every you know everything we're so we're going to actually have classes on how to use every single thing every single rock every single herb and by the way, we already just ordered 150 herbs, and, and that's the thing. Me, I think I think I was joking with you, and I said sometimes it's just easier to do herb magic. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it's easier because we got 150 herbs. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, we know about 150 different herbs or 200 plus herbs that we're gonna carry when we're all said and done. Just, <laughs> I mean. Why the, our walls are green? It's like our, the the name of the store part is the Queen City Curio and Apothecary, and that's a traditional Chinese medicine expert. We kind of mean the apothecary, mm -hmm. like no one else in Toronto even has 150 herbs that you can just come in and get. So we're like, we kind of mean it, like mm -hmm. that we're like, yeah, we're apothecary. Um, uh, so yeah it'll be fun that is awesome if, if, if once the covid's done you should come up and visit in toronto and take it and check it out i'll come up in the summertime if it's open <laughs> not if we're open if the border's open right yeah that's one of the main reasons i i, I got the vaccination just so i could travel and get you know so you know I mean, I, I have plane tickets to go to different places I haven't been able to use. I have cruise tickets I haven't been able to use. So I'm like, yeah, because of COVID. Yeah. yeah. I'm a prisoner in, in my own country. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you for being on today. Thank you for having me. I hope that you'll have me back on. Yeah, you're welcome soon. anytime. I love it. Oh, so you know, next time you want me to come on, just ask. I'll come on. I love it. I love it. You got it. All right. Well, hang on for one moment, and I'm just gonna play the outro.
Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need, and it's on Amazon. It'll change your life, because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you loved what you listened to, don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe.